and boom goes the dynamite. Welcome to a special edition of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how are you, my friend? Jeff, night gathers, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall take no wife, hold no lands, father no children. I shall wear no crowns and win no glory. I shall live and die at my post. I am the sword in the darkness. I am the watcher on the walls. I am the shield that guards the realms of men. I pledge my life and honor to the night's watch for this and all the nights to come. This sounds like some sort of incel oath. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. That is the night's watch oath. That is the oath of the night's watch. The protectors north of the wall. Jeff, you need the wall. Winter is coming. Wait, 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 the wall wall that we are building. Wait, wait, wait. One wall that we are definitely going to build is the one in Westeros to keep us from the White Walkers. Try and keep up. Oh, that one. The whole show. The whole show has one theme. I I, I thought you were talking about uh, Attack on Titan for a second there. I'm sorry. No, that one, uh, just Attack on Titan, just like Trump's wall, actual fascism. Well, (laughs) yeah. uh, No, that's why I quit reading the book (laughs) after a certain point when when it got into the I never saw like Reddit or saw the anime, but like I love hearing stories of people that like watched the first season of Attack on Titan and then got the end and was like, oh, Nazis. Oh, yeah. It, no, the uh, I, I, I followed the manga up to like volume 20. Well, actually, I, I went pretty deep in the series and then it got into this weird, crazy race war shit. I was like, uh, I'm out. You know, Look, I appreciate what you're doing here, but you're not going to try and derail the podcast before I do it. There are only five books we're talking about tonight, and none of them are manga. That's right, folks. Winter is coming. So tonight I will be doing my best to shoehorn Song of Ice and Fire references into the podcast as best I can. So... Buckle in, folks. It's time for some lore. I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but at the very first C two E two, which the 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 uh, the most recent one was this past weekend, I did not attend for numerous reasons. Um, the very first C two E two because Danhausen uh, threatened Jeff. A lot of people don't know that, but Danhausen uh, uh, threatened Jeff. Uh, he told him that uh, if he didn't bring a big old bag of money, that he was going to curse him. And Jeff is afraid of curses. A lot of don't, people don't know that. Jeff's really superstitious. It's true. I am afraid of curses. But also, I'm afraid of Omicron, and I just didn't feel like uh, going to Omicron, to the greatest and, curse of all. Uh, but no, at the very first uh, the very first C2E2, I was actually able to attend a reading by one Mr. Uh, George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, this was in 2010. So this would have been, what, what I don't know what book he was working on at the time. Um, possibly A Dance with Dragons. Uh, but he read from it uh, when it was in progress. So uh, that was cool. 
And then I had a couple of beers with him after after the show, too. So, yeah, that's my George R.R. R. Martin story. That's uh, a pretty good one. He read from uh, some like the newer books and other readings, too. And I that's like one of those things like it, probably not seeing George read from like one of the books is like up there with concerts. I've never seen like I never got to see Rage Against the Machine live. And it's probably like right up there, like never right. getting to see a live Martin read. <laughs> You know, the funny thing is, is that I, I still, in my brain, associate him more with wild cards than anything else. You that, that proves that you are will always be a bigger dork to me. Like, no matter how hard I try, like, no matter what I do in this podcast, to, like, dork myself out. Like, th- th- I just, I, what am I supposed to do? How do I follow that? Uh, we follow that by talking about, uh, did you see a lot of AEW, current AEW personalities, uh, made appearances at... Uh, at Final Battle. No, I didn't watch Final Battle, but good for all them. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, the Young Bucks, uh, Brian Danielson. Wait, they all did like wait, little video pre-tapes. Yeah, right? wait, did Danielson? Maybe it wasn't Danielson. I know CM Punk was there. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I think Danielson did make a... Uh, a bunch of people did like little yeah. video. Adam like, Page. Hey, Adam hey Page. great job, guys. Yeah. Cool. Good, good, good job on being Ring of Honor or whatever. Yeah, we did the Ring of Honor talk already. I feel yeah, like we, we did. I feel like we've talked enough Ring of Honor on this podcast. We got nothing else to say. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was just pointing out the the AEW tie there, so we could keep it on topic. And of course, uh, this morning was also uh, Best of the Super Juniors and World Tag League Final. I will definitely make this on topic later on in the show. And All right, you, and you will see how it is on topic. So All with right. that, we go live to the Curtis Colwell Center in Garland, Texas, for the 2021 edition of Winter Is Coming for AEW Dynamite. Your host, you, John, well, for, Jeff. First thing, you have to do it if you're going to do it. You have to do it in the Ned Stark voice, right? I don't know the Ned Stark voice, Paul. Sean I didn't. Bean. It's Sean Bean. Okay, well, I still didn't watch the show, so I don't. So, know. <laughs> Sean Bean. Winter okay. is coming. Okay, fine. Well, why don't you introduce it then, Paul? Winter is coming. Thank you. Uh, your hosts, Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Taz on commentary. And we go right into the AEW World Championship match. The World Championship match is the first match, Jeff. It is. Uh, Holy Toledo, I did not expect this. I didn't either. And uh, I was like, that's, well, that's that... sure to be the main event. Like, obviously, what else could possibly be the main? Oh, oh, <laughs> so interesting. This is, again, from the Rampage school of thought. I feel like they've really ramped up doing this since the Rampage era has begun is uh, putting their biggest match at the top of the show. They've done this before, though. I mean, they were doing this prior to Rampage, though. As they were well doing it, know. but I don't think as often. I think this has become a little bit. It's becoming more of the rule than the exception, I dare to say. Uh, yeah, you might be right. It and might be like an even split at this point. And given what, what happened in this match, you can definitely see why they made this the first match. Uh, and, of course, uh, getting back to that, uh, Hangman Adam Page, uh, your AEW World Champion, defending against uh, Brian Danielson. Uh, Justin Roberts returns to the lineup on this. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess uh, his uh, his DMs to underage girls weren't getting answered, and he got bored. Oh, jeez. Oh, what? Christ. Did I say something? Oh, yeah, you oh. kind of did. Oh, Actually, what? didn't he have like a family emer- a family thing happening? Like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and all the best to Justin Roberts' family, as long as they don't like, I don't know, help him send text messages oh, or whatever. Jesus. Uh, the cool yeah. thing about Justin Roberts is you can call him a nonce because it was British children he was uh, uh, trying to get with. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
not the only uh not the only nonce reference we're gonna make tonight either uh so this match um, this is in the place and fire series too to tie that all back in together uh yeah pretty sus yeah well yeah so i've heard uh, cause I mean, I mean again, you, I'm going to confess, right. I've never read or seen the show. I, I never read any of the books. I've never seen the show. The books are great. I mean, I will, I'll defend the books to the, to the death. Obviously there's a lot of TV show discourse and the pretty spectacular downfall of the quality of that television show. But I think all five of those books rule. Uh, I mean, th- it would hardly be the only TV show that had a. That did not stick the landing. I mean, that, it was, I mean, it's source material, right? Like it's, it was a very like one to one. Like when they ran out of source material, the show started sucking because Martin's stories were good and Benioff and Weiss's stories were bad. You it know, was pretty I I have heard some stories about the fandom of these books, uh, getting like oh way beyond entitled to like where the fuck is the next book brother it's like dude, dude I'd say has it's a, a pretty life. interesting split. i think there's like a uh, they're vocal but i'd say it's a it's a minority of the fan base i would say that the majority of the fan base like really does like appreciate and and respect like obviously they want another book yeah but most people are really cool about it especially at this point i think a lot of the fervor has cooled down if you are being weird uh specifically to george r, r. martin about another book coming out shut up shut up nerd you got five books they're really good enjoy them um stop i i do know that you know now there's a comparison because there's that wheel of time show on amazon prime based on the robert jordan books and of course i this is where a lot of the anxiety is coming from i think is because robert jordan died in the middle of that series uh, and george r. Series. r martin famously not the healthiest looking dude on earth uh you know he looks like a man who like could drop dead Pretty much any time. So I, I do understand the uh, the concern there. And I would like I would like George to live a very long, healthy and, and happy life. Uh, books or no books. Uh, all the best to, to King George R. R. Martin, so, the, the true king, the true Lord of the Seven Kingdoms. So back to this match. And uh, it, it, it started slow with a lot of grappling and, God, and, I was Jeff. But, I was just vibrating during these first like fifteen to twenty minutes you know, of this match. Oh no, no, this was not a this was not a complaint. By the yeah, way. oh my God, it was, I, I think this you was know like my taste in nineteen fifty nine. Yeah, like I think you probably saw this right. Like and and so fitting that like you know a guy who has you know used the the LaBelle lock to such success was like just being Gene LaBelle for about ten to twelve minutes. Oh yeah, uh, it was spectacular. The jumping jacks in between the little breaks in action. Oh God, the that, that was some of the best tie up. This is yeah, no, like, actual Gene LaBelle shit. It was beautiful. Yeah, uh, th- th- that was not the immediate uh, the immediate uh, comparison I was going to make in this match, but uh, I did know that th- this match is very, very counter heavy. Oh, like, there's yeah, a yeah. lot of countering in this match. Oh, absolutely. And like, you know, uh, the mark of two guys who have been watching each other, right? Like, that's the whole this story. I've got my eye on you. I've got my eye on you. I'm going to bring you my best. I'm going to bring you my best. Yeah. Let's go out there and, and you know, uh, and just see who breaks. And it's very much like their personalities. Like Brian talks about this in interviews about like that primal kind of uh, um, struggle between two people. And like at its most base form, like, the two things people can do are either like race each other to see who's faster or like wrestle around to see who's stronger. Right. And this is like really his personality and like his beliefs and like his mantra really came through in this match. Like it was really just it, it was so 
like Danielson and Paige exactly what they are, right? And just yeah. clack together as hard as they could. And it was magic. This was wrestling magic, Jeff. Uh, do, do we do we spoil the ending because oh, this is gonna to, because I mean, this is gonna inform how we talk about the rest of this match? Kind of. I don't think so. I think the uh, I mean it all kind of connected together for me. So like segment one, the first story was kind of let like feeling out process. It was a lot of very throwback wrestling. It was a lot of counters. It was chains. It was uh, that kind of like getting each other's timing, like you see in the early rounds of a boxing match or an MMA fight. Right. Like you try to figure out you poke and you prod and you get in where you can, but you're not going for the finish. Right. Like you, not neither one's going for the jugular. They're just kind of toying around to see how far they can get with each other. Right. And then that kind of leads into that second part of the match, which starts turning up the violence. Oh, yeah. And, and the violence was turned up. I mean, we, we do get. I mean, at one point we had Brian Danielson reenacting a, a safer version of the the Nigel McGinnis spot and the the infamous Nigel McGinnis spot where he's ramming him into the corner post. Yes. Uh, and and uh, did it without the trauma and without like that. So although uh, you know although that was creativity what, that everyone showed here for like making this match really really brutal without like putting anyone in like too much explicit danger. Although this was where Adam Page, you know, got his color. Absolutely, but you know, hey, uh, a color from you know the way that people are supposed to get color, so it's it's yeah. totally fine. And you know, it, 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 it's 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 funny because you know, w- with that in mind, and the announcement, Kasiyori Shibata is going to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom sixteen on on January the fourth. I'm like. Oh boy. I think that was in the back of a lot of fans' minds. Is like, hmm, what's there? And also, now that you say that. I don't want to like get it too into the weeds with Shibata stuff. But we'll have to just do that later. You know what? Yeah, I'm, I, but I'm just I, I'm note I'm just noting. I mean, I, I I've said my piece about what I think Shibata should be doing in the ring. There's a yeah. there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff around that. Anyway, so we get the blood spots. So now we're starting to get a little more serious, right? The, the commercial breaks start ramping up. We get a lot of picture in picture for like the the little like later parts of this match. But I feel like. Out of nowhere, seemingly it snuck up on you. This match was gone, like on for a half hour, right? Like the first yes. half of the match, absolutely blazed by. Um, you get into the back half, you got the blood. You have like the the higher impact spots. We get outside of the ring a little bit more. We have Adam Page like working the limbs with the exposed uh, uh, ring barricade. Uh, we get stuff like that. Uh, that leads to Adam Page going for the big top rope spot and getting uh, Olaid into the timekeeper table. Oh, God. Holy shit. Absolutely yeah. Cool. Uh, Danielson going for the big kick and kicking his shin right against the ring post. That one really stood out. Yeah. R- right just when right when the 30-minute the mark passed, I was just like, you know, they're going to they're gonna Broadway this. Yeah, I think – and there was – there was a lot of chatter about that. Like, could that potentially be an outcome of this match? So I don't think a lot of people were too surprised when we started moving that way. But once it started becoming real, yeah. And I think you could feel it, you know, within yourself, you know, if you were watching at home, if you were, you know, like tweeting along with it or going on social media, you could probably see like the rhetoric and the posts kind of ramping up and people starting to feel it and going. It's like when a no hitter is getting into the fifth or sixth inning. Yeah, you know, they're going, OK, well, now it's real. Now it's not a guy has no hits. It's we're on the bar stool, right? Like we're we're in the middle of a no hitter. Yeah. Uh, and, and, so- and, and I will note that at 
the 35 minute mark, it officially became the longest match in AEW history. AEW Dynamite history. No, 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 no. AEW history. There was. Are you serious? There was nothing longer than 35 minutes, even on a pay per view. Are you sure about Correct. that? Yes. Stadium. The first stadium stampede was only 34 minutes, and that was the longest prior, huh? Yeah. How long was Cody Dustin? Must have been 20 something. That's surprising. Yeah. You know, I don't know. We, we when we were looking it up, we we, we figured it was going to be same same. I thought it might have been Omega and Page versus the Bucks at Revolution, but no, apparently that only went thirty. Okay, it felt like forty, but when I was so, watching well, it, but and you know, spoilers. This was the longest match in AEW history. Uh, uh so. yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it past a certain point, I started calling this. I I I, I messaged and said. They are Budokaning this, and they're Budokaning, and, and you know what that means. Yeah, I mean, we uh, in on the states we say Broadway. You we say you say Budokan, I say Broadway. Well, I said Broadway. No, let's earlier, call the whole. Too. Let's call the whole thing off. Yeah, right. Well, I said Broadway earlier yeah, too, yeah. but I'm just saying. Yeah, I just I literally say yeah. They're Budokaning this because. Um, so yeah, that that it ramps up towards the end there we get the label lock that page like sort of breaks out of there's a ton of like more reversals and breaks there uh we get like the reverse shotgun lariat yeah i really like that the oh Bucks yeah the, the brody the, bro, oh, the brody lee, the brody lee yeah like so where where danielson was like like ran like uh, did the uh flip over the rope and then ran two page so it's kind of the opposite then you got the actual buckshot and boom bell rings before we even get a cover Folks, a 60-minute time limit draw, the good old Broadway finish. My goodness. 60. And, so, uh, so we, incredible. This was this was fantastic. And I know that there's like – I think there's a little bit of casual fan backlash and a little bit of just people being salty that you don't see a definitive result. But I think this is the perfect time for it to happen. Okay, I, so, this is the absolute perfect outcome for this match. This to me. is the second – Time limit draw that against the AEW champion that Brian Danielson has had since he's been yeah. in AEW. Yeah. We're telling a story here. And We're telling a story. Not only that, I mean, we've already established this is the longest match in AEW history now. Um twenty twenty one is the year of the time limit draw or record long matches because we, we've already had the longest match in Wrestle Kingdom history back in January. That was Cody Ibushi versus Jay White. Just this morning, we had the longest match in Best of Super Juniors history between Hiromu Takahashi and Yo. That was that was 38 minutes, 30 seconds. Um, We've had the... Uh, what do you call it? We had the... Uh, 60-minute Broadway in all Japan between Jake Lee and Kento Miyahara, and we just had the one in Noah between Katsuhiko Nakajima and Keno. That's that's a lot. I mean, this is a year. I mean, they. I think they know, are. I, this is the year of. But you know what? All the, the the factor is is that all these matches were really good and did not feel drawn out. You right, know? because like a good long wrestling match is like the best thing you can get. Like when you're actually telling these coherent stories, when you have this material and all, you know, these aforementioned matches all had that, right? Like there was nobody just kind of like meandering or wasting time or working to it to 
fill any time because they needed to make it a 60-minute match. It was, this story deserves 60 minutes, so let's go fill it, right? Let's go make that 60-minute story happen. Like, this match never felt slow. It never dragged. It never lagged. It had an incredible pace all throughout. Uh, It it was always, like, challenging us as fans to continue to, to be impressed, to be amazed, and to just be within it to let it kind of wash over you, right? Like this whole match just kind of took you in and just go take me there. Show me everything. Like, uh, let's do it. Okay. So let me ask you two questions about this. Number one, did you feel drained after this match? Not at all. Zero. Really? Cause I did zero. I, I zero. I felt it, ready for more. I felt that was, that was all. That was awesome. It, it took a uh, perfect it, match. It, it took a lot out of me. I mean, I, I mean that in the best way, but I just felt like, you know, I, you know, I felt like I ran a marathon after that. Like it just the the, the come down. You know. Okay, I get it. I felt like energized. I felt like, oh shit, that rocked. I thought it was so paced well that it kind of brought me like, you know, with it, and then up at the end. And despite that draw finish, you know, a lot like I, I guess it would be easy to say, oh well, you know, like a draw finish kind of brings you down or goes, uh, it's a little bit of a disappointment. To me, it got me more excited because I know that there's more to come here. That we're obviously a Danielson page rematch on the horizon, but that the other I mean, things we that we can we, do now that we have this story, like pocketed, like to your point, Danielson has now drawed with two champions, right? So that's something that we can look for later when there is another AEW champion, potentially. Uh, and and you know, unless we forget, remember we telegraphed this, they, they telegraphed this a little bit because remember when he said that he, he, he went, you know, I actually beat Kenny and uh, it took in less time, you know, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's there's so many different kind of elements to that now. Uh, this is really interesting to me. That I mean, this is going to be a lot of people's match of the year, I think. I think this will be like talked about as a match of the year for a lot of folks. I'm not 100% that it's mine, but it's pretty damn close. I mean, it, it's a late entry into it. and It's certainly a late entry. There's, there's going to be more coming up soon. Uh, more late injuries into that, but also I hope um, so. We only got a few a few days left in the year. I hope we get more late injuries before the year's out. But man, it's, this one's going to be hard to talk. Well, there, to. There's there's one in Dragon Gate coming on the 26th that uh, I'm going to have my eye on. So, uh, but um, oh shit, I, I lost my point here. Oh, oh no. Okay, so let me ask you this: What does this say about what kind of faith AEW has in Adam Page's title reign? I would say that they've had. Uh, there would be nothing to indicate that they wouldn't have had nothing like but all of the faith in in Hangman, right? Like, I think that Tony Khan and the brain trusted AEW have known that this was going to be the thing and this was going to be this was going to work for a long time. They haven't known that Brian Danielson was going to be on the other side of it, but I think that they've believed in Hangman since day one. I really do. And despite, you know, fans kind of waxing and waning during some of his down periods, I think that was uh, looking back and having the benefit of hindsight, all of that was by design, right? Like this they brought us to this point, and I think that they've always believed that Hangman could be the guy to carry their brand, which is why he was a day one signing. Right, but I mean, there's also always the 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 counter argument about how the babyface is always more interesting when he's chasing the title rather than having the title. Well, sometimes it's just not true. Sometimes it just isn't the case. And right now, Champion Page is working. It's working perfectly, and I think it's going to work for a long time as long as we continue on this trajectory. Now, is that easy to do? No, it's not easy to do. But they've been nailing it so far, so I trust him. And I trust Hangman. I think he's a great champion. 
yeah, th- this this match was an experience. I, it's one I'm glad we had. I'm glad that they made this the first hour. Uh, yeah, and, and it was a hell of an change, hour of television, really. man. A hell of an hour of TV. Yeah, this is one of those things where, yeah, you, you just, well, you know, I, this is going to be worth a rewatch, I think. Yeah, when I when I uh, get some time, I'll probably rewatch it. I DVR it. Yeah, so I mean, and, and this is something that I have not done with either uh, either Jake versus Kento or uh, Nakajima versus Keno. I have not gone back and rewatched those yet. So. Long matches are tough. I, I can understand. Like long matches are a lot like long movies. Like some of my favorite movies are really long, so they're kind of tough. To, like okay, here's here's one: The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Love that movie, Jeff. It's a fantastic movie. Director's cut. It's like over three hours. So it's hard to say, hey, I'm going to set aside like three plus hours to just watch this one movie. And, you know, an hour long wrestling match, I think, is a big ask. But I think this one's worth it. I think if you have an hour to set aside to watch again or if you didn't watch yet. God, I mean, if you haven't seen this match, holy shit, go watch this. Well, match. first of all, why are you listening to this show? Hey, Second of all, it, you know, sometimes people are listening later in the week. They didn't get a chance to watch Dynamite. I totally get that. Hey, if you didn't get a chance to see Dynamite, and you listen to this podcast as like a supplement or a way to catch up. I love that. And I try to do our best to give you what we can without like being too much of like a dry recap or whatever. But no, I think that's cool. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What else are we going to say at this point? Uh, we, I mean, we spent, it's fitting that that was half the show. We spent half the podcast talking about it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I we, we still got. have like another 50 minutes of television. Jeff, to Jeff discuss. this match was so long. George R. R. Martin wrote the next book. Oh, Hey, yo. When we come back for the first uh, non-Page versus Danielson segment of the show, uh, we go backstage and we have the Young Bucks, Adam Cole, and Bobby Fish uh, just talking some shit against uh, the best the, the the best friends in Rapongi. Basically, one thing I noticed, and I don't know if this was like how on purpose this was. Did you notice the kazoo backing track for the Christmas music? I, I kind of did, yeah. I don't know if this was like a little a little Christian thing, right? A little thing at Christian and Edge, you know, with their whole kazoo gimmick they used to do. I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it, but I was like, oh, these guys style themselves as clever, don't they? Yeah, they, they, they kind of do, don't they? So I feel like that... that go on, we're moving on. Yeah, That's all moving. I had. We're moving on. Uh, our second, And this is going to set up a match for Rampage, so huzzah. Uh our second match of the evening, if you can call it that, Matt Seidel versus Warlow. Uh, this was a fucking squash. Why is Sean Spears on the fucking mic? That God was it. first because it was funny and good, and this segment well, rocked. Was like, it? Was this, it though? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I thought th- this is like my favorite Sean Spears. Like this Sean Spears right here. This is the good Sean Spears. Uh, yeah, he interrupts during Wardlow's match and tells him to stop hitting the guy and just pin him. Uh, Wardlow doesn't listen, gets a second power bomb in, finishes Seidel off in about a minute. Uh, Spears gets in the ring, says, hey, we don't get paid by the hour, buddy. That was excessive. Hold on a second. And then starts hitting the guy with the chair. Uh, I think That's Sean. Funny. I, I think. That's fucking funny. I, I, yeah. You, you're burying the lead here, though, is that after he hits him with the chair, he looks like he totally blew a load. <laughs> Right he does that every time. That's not the lead. That's funny. This is a thing that he does. The chairman is a funny character. This is good. Right. I'm just talking about the chairman about the, is good. I'm just talking I about will... the, 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 or, the orgasm he had in the ring Jeff, right there. 
here's the thing, Jeff. Coming rules. Coming is great. Everyone loves to come. Nutting is awesome. So, yeah, everyone loves nutting. More and more people are talking about it in a big way. Uh, you know, if you go up to a stranger on the street and you'd be like, hey, have you ever nutted and do you enjoy it? I bet you they'll tell you yes. And they'll they'll willingly give up that information, too. So, you know, go out there and ask your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let me know how that goes. Paul. Ask your neighbors if they've nutted and if they uh, enjoyed it. That's we your homework assignment. We, we we then get a video segment between Ty Conti and Penelope Ford. They're going to have a submission match on Ooh, uh, on Rampage. I have two quick notes. One, uh, cool shirt for Ty Conti. Indeed, very cool shirt. Uh, two. I promise to be very, very, very respectful on Wrestling Brain during uh, our analysis of that match. I will have the utmost respect for everybody involved, um, and I will not beg to be placed in every submission hold that was attempted uh, in in the match. That's my promise. So, 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 wait a minute. You, so, you you promise you're going to be respectful on Wrestling Brain, but on this show, you're just going to spill your id out here. Is that what yes. I'm getting? Correct. Okay. Uh, well, but I, already, but I already had a big rant about nutting, so I feel like I might have gotten it out. Let's find out as we move along. Uh, we then go. Oh, so you know what? To tie that into Song of Ice and Fire, though, since I'm, I'm doing that too. Uh, one of the, the, the grossest people to ever write about nutting, George R.R. Martin. George writes about nutting in the books like a lot. And uh, he does it in like that kind of old timey way where he talks about like spilling their seed and stuff like that. It's just, ew. you know what I mean? I, I, I take your word for it. I, like I said, I've never read it. You know, really... talking about like when, when they, you know, because like the, you know, it's it's a fantasy, but it's like that medieval fantasy, right? So well, it's yeah. written with in a style, and so he uses like those sort of terms, right? Like, uh, like, like those like dated sex terms, and it's just really gross. Yeah. May 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 your seed may my seed find purchase. Yes. In, in yeah, indeed, things yes. like that. Oh, oh, that's gross. Yeah, like that. Ew. <laughs> Yes, like that. Ew. Oh boy. <laughs> Moving on. Speaking of spewing stuff, oh, no. we get it. We, we get a uh, promo from Malachi Black. <laughs> uh, is, this, is the is this where is I the bring Black up? Spit just like Malachi's version of coming? It might be, uh, you know, is Malachi just nutting. Oh shit! I think we're onto something. This, this will be a this will be the first time I've mentioned this particular comic writer, but uh, Grant Morrison, the the arch enemy of Alan Moore. Grant yeah, Morrison. I mean, there's no way we haven't mentioned Grant Morrison before. I, I mean, I, I like to think we have mentioned them before, but I I, I can't say that with absolute certainty. But anyway, uh, Grant Morrison did a s- series, The Filth, and there was uh, a couple of issues with a. <laughs> With with uh, involving uh, black, uh, black black uh, black jizz black jizz yeah you say black jizz whoa that sounds weird okay yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah but the, no this the, was a super uh, but coming aside this was a really interesting promo especially because of the end and the implications did you catch that oh I did I'm sure you did there's a lot of chatter now there's uh, some chatter about but, uh, maybe this is a very wordy promo probably too wordy but that's you know Malachi's thing what mattered was at the end when he uh, looked at the man he just uh, uh, black goop spit nutted on and said uh, you are so much more than a king oh yes but also yeah uh, considering you know uh, who, who who is uh, Malachi Black's uh, partner 
and a, I as as PWG World Tag Team Title. I can also say right this now. is and this is official, so we can just report this. Uh, Brody King has signed with AEW. Oh, you're kidding? Okay, so that is that official. is being reported as well. Oh, so sh- you see, I would have thought he would have gone to New Japan because he is such AEW a fit- is the right place for him right now. Uh, yeah, he's but a he but he's a really good addition. But he's been such a fixture on Strong though since its debut. So go do something new, new ventures, new horizons, man. Go, uh, go, go forge that path. And I think Brody King's in the right spot to get himself in front of uh, um, even more new fans right now. And I think he'll he'll be really over AEW. I think he's going to be very successful there. Well, I, I, you know, what? hopefully, hopefully he'll he'll still work the NJ New Japan of America shows. I just hope that uh, we still get Mike the Rock Davis from WWW from I think you should leave. I don't know did, that. Did you not see I Think You Should Leave, Jeff? Are we going to really get No, actually, I did not. I have not watched that Holy show. Holy shit. Yeah, you should. You need to do that, first of all. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Watch, uh, he, uh, Brody King makes a brief appearance in I Think You Should Leave. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, our third match of the evening, Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb. This is the 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 rubber match between in in their feud. And boy, did we get some more grappling in the this professor match. of pro wrestling. Uh, I was like, before we get into the match itself, can you give me some thoughts? Just how you feel about Serena Deeb's AEW run overall? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously she was just brought in as a sideshow attraction as the NWA uh, women's champion. Initially, uh, well, of course, you know, so was Thunder Rosa, let's be honest. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think she, especially this, this, this persona that she's, she's done. Yeah, I think she's, it's, it's paying dividends for her. The professor of pro wrestling, I think, is one of the most important characters and, and uh, uh, people in the entire AEW women's division. I think she's like a focal point here. You need this character. You need this wrestler. Right. Like you need this veteran who purports to know everything about wrestling, to be smarter, to be shrewder, to be tougher, to be superior or to act superior in every way to each of their opponents. Uh, This is great stuff. And like the way she worked this match, like from not only just like the technical stuff and like the being cerebral and all that, but also using it to cheat. Like that's that very kind of, uh, you know, Larry Zabisco, Bobby Heenan kind of kind of thing. And like, you know, very fitting. Oh, Dean Malenko, when he was in Mal- the, when he was in the triple threat and he well, she calls too. her. She, yeah. she calls she build herself as the woman of a thousand holds at the top of this match. Jim. Right. So, yeah, so very yeah, obvious. Yeah. There. And like Dean Malenko's heel- influence being uh, really felt at AEW more on that later in the show. Fair. Uh, anyway, yeah, this was a really good match. Really good match. It, 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 unfortunately, it came it came on the same show as a sixty minute Broadway between Adam Page and Brian Danielson, so kind of overshadowed in that. But I don't still, know got overshadowed that much. I think we had a kind of a, there was a little bit between it, and I thought everyone had a really good time. I think the expectations were right, and I thought it was a really fun match. The crowd reacted and responded really well to it. They were very, very pro Sheeta. A lot of let's go Sheeta chance. So that I'm was telling, great. You know what? It, Texas has some of the best wrestling crowds. It has to be said. I mean, and I've been saying this for a long time too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean cur- cursed state with a lot of problems, but good wrestling crowds. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if nothing else, good wrestling crowds in, in, in Texas. Uh, Hikaru Sheeta does get the win. So I guess uh, she wins the feud, at least for now. For now. We then go backstage, and uh, we have uh, your beautiful 
baby boy and his idiot cousin. And, oh, my uh, son. Did you see my son grow up before our very eyes? I could cry. Uh, there's some tension between uh, your, 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 your boy and, and his cousin. A little. Well, you know what? Good. Griff was very upset about how Julia Hart was treated by Malachi Black and by the response or lack thereof from the Varsity Blondes. Uh, he really wanted to go out there, get back at Malachi Black. He was very passionate about it. Uh, Brian wanted him to hold off, say this is what he wants, slow down. And Griff said, well, if you won't do it, then I'll do it myself. Screw you, dude. And uh, you know what? Good for Griff. Griff, and I, you know what? I like actually good for Griff though. I thought he cut a really, really good promo. I, I did too, actually. And, he and, was. He doesn't he usually get passionate. The... He did great eye contact with the camera. His pacing was really strong. Here's the biggest mistake that guys like Griff or people like Griff's experience make is just moving through things too fast. He hit his beats and he paused, and his vocal inflection was really good. This was just it was polished, Jeff. It was a very polished promo, more than I've seen from him to date. Yeah, no, no, no. I I totally agree. I thought that was the best, uh, you know, Mike segment he's done, especially since Pillman's been the one doing the majority of the promos for them recently. So yeah, yeah. And so I this was like this was the hey Griff, let's get out there and see what you got. Here is your opportunity. It's Wednesday night. Don't fuck this up. And he went out there and he didn't fuck it up. When we come back from commercial, we get a video package all about Hook's debut. I missed this because I was running into the other room and uh, actually sending you or uh, the music uh, for tonight's podcast. So <laughs> I missed the I missed the hook segment. I'm very sad about missing the uh, the hook segment. So tell uh, me about. It. Well, it was just a it was just a video recap of uh, what we saw on Rampage and just you know more, more promised more to come. Apparently, the hook T-shirts have now uh, knocked CM Punk down to number two on Pro Wrestling Tees. That's wild. I mean, he, he's a shooter, guys. He's a guys, shooter. Guys, gals, non-binary. Uh, uh, draw. Yes. Hook is a draw. Turns out. It turns Actually, out. Actually, my, uh, uh, my girlfriend commented that she wanted an anxious millennial cowboy shirt, and I told her that if she was uh, ordering one, she could pick me up a Hook shirt while she was at it. So, uh, fingers crossed, folks. I also, I, 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 I kind of uh, had to... Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Shout out to friend of the podcast, Kevin, for sending me uh, a shirt from uh, GCW's emo fight. You know, it's funny because my honey and I had a similar conversation, only we were talking about uh, merch that uh, a company called Cavity Colors had just released for uh, w- involving my second favorite Godzilla movie. Mm. Uh, that being get merch for your second favorite Godzilla movie. Uh, that would be uh, the 1989 classic Godzilla versus Biolante. Once again, this is now the second time in the podcast Jeff has proved that he will always be a bigger dork than me no matter how hard I try. <laughs> Look, so. I never fucking claimed otherwise. So no, you kiss didn't, my but ass. <laughs> but it's just how, how you're manifesting it and how it comes out is just very natural. It's organic, and I like it. <laughs> it's good for me. Look, Godzilla I rules, man. I don't want to hear I, it. No one said Godzilla didn't rule. First of all, we're all big Luchasaurus fans. We're all big Godzilla fans. We like uh, uh, large, sentient lizards that, uh, you know, avenge the people and save the day. Look, I will one day go on a, a tangent uh, about how emotionally uh, about how emotionally uh, Shin Godzilla affected me. So, you know, Wait, could we make a Godzilla movie where it's like Mr. Iguana gets exposed to radiation and then he's just Godzilla? 
I mean, they made that movie. Oh, I actually have it on DVD. Uh, I think it's called Daikaiju Mono. We did it again. <laughs> called Daikaiju Mono. It's a comedy giant. You know, it's a comedy kaiju movie starring Kota Ibushi and Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> wow, that's fun. Have you ever Have you ever seen the Calamari Wrestler? Isn't that uh, yeah from Calamari Catch Kings? There's like a there's like a Japanese movie about a about a guy. No, there's like a Japanese <gasps> oh, movie. Oh yeah, like a I haven't actually like, seen it, but I know the movie. Okay, one day we need to like watch that or like do a commentary on it or something because like I'm so interested in that. Book it. I see, book like, it. Yeah, right, I feel we'll, that's that's like a total us thing. All right, we'll get we'll, back we'll, to that. We'll, we'll, we'll book it. Uh, we <laughs> then get we then get a backstage promo with Eddie Kingston where he promises a ten man tag on Rampage. It'll be uh, Eddie Kingston. It will be. Uh, Santana Ortiz, it will be Penta El Cerro Miedo E Rey Phoenix against Daniel Garcia 2.0 and uh, two persons of uh, whoever uh, they gra- can grab to fill it out. So um, do, we, do we think we know who they're getting? Who do we think is going to be? I'm thinking it's going to be FTR. You would think it's going to be FTR. Because, but they, like, because they want to torture me with this. Is it going to be the frogs? Oh, God. Oh, God. If it's the fucking frogs again, I, 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 if it's the frogs, I'm turning the TV off. I'm sorry. If it's the frogs again, you better tune into Wrestling Brand on Friday night to see me just be very upset. Just um, like watch me on. Like here's the thing: people love to go on Twitch to watch streamers like get mad and rage or whatever. Put the frogs on. I guarantee you'll see it. Um, I I just made a note to uh, our friends at Days of Thunder that uh, this uh, rampage between this ten man and the the eight man match that we already promised. I I just said. Uh, large amounts of men will appear on this. large amounts of men. Yeah, sometimes it's uh, it's quantity over uh, girth, just individual girth. Yeah. <laughs> Our main event of the evening is, is MJF versus Dante Martin in the final for to determine this year's holder of the Dynamite Diamond. Uh, we get an uh, an extended promo from MGF to start M- MJF, excuse me, uh, to start Maxwell uh, uh, Glenn Friedman. Yeah, Gordon Freeman. There, we Maxwell go. Gordon Freeman. That's good. Um. So yeah, he, uh... Maxwell Gobbledygooker Friedman. That's what his. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he 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 buried Texas. He buried uh, CM Punk, and we went into the match with Dante Martin. Um, and he buried he. First of all, let's not skip over MJF's burials of Texas. MJF's burials of Texas. Uh, you know he's supposed to be a heel, but not what? like he was wrong. It, it, it actually sounded more like he was talking about Kentucky, to be honest. Well, I mean, uh, he he. I mean, his. His comments were very specifically aimed at their, you know, uh, current, their government's current war on education and women's rights. Oh, believe me, Kentucky does the same fucking oh, thing, brother. <laughs> I'm, hello, hello from Georgia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Remember, I escaped Indiana so, two years ago, so, you know. Mm. I finally brought my daughter up from there, too, so. Yeah. The uh, the south of the Midwest. Jeez. Yeah, I, I swear, Indiana really thinks that they were in the Confederacy. Oh, speaking of Friday nights, another thing that, that that's announced, I don't think they talked about it on the show, though, is that it's just being reported that Dan Lambert will be returning to AEW on Friday night. Uh-huh. A little, little American Top Team coming off of a big loss for American Top Team, Amanda Nunes, losing her 135-pound belt in one of the biggest upsets in UFC history to Juliana Pena on Saturday night. Welp. 
huge, a huge thing. Kayla Harrison, you know, uh, was talking about signing there, so maybe that's off. So now you have the potential of Kayla and or Amanda making appearances in wrestling. Kayla's got a lot of options open, and I mean, Kayla Harrison, while having no pro wrestling experience, were she to sign with AEW, would be an massive addition to that roster right off the rip. Just huge. Well, see now, now we've we've gone to where you're the bigger dork than I am because I know absolutely. I, I mean, I, I do it's not, not pay true, attention because MMA's for alpha dudes and, and tough guys that aren't dorks. It's cool, right? Because it's cool to be, be, to watch to be, watch a bunch of stuff and like and know about like a, a guy who gets paid like five thousand dollars to fight on an undercard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because sports fans aren't the biggest dorks of their know, genre either. Definitely. Yeah, no, being an obsessive sports fan definitely isn't nerdy. It's very cool behavior. Um, you aren't just as big a dork as like a comics guy or like a D&D guy. Definitely not. It's not the exact same thing. For Trust sure. me, I'm living proof. It's certainly uh, not just the exact same thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, this is where I remind that... From wrestling fans. Th- th- this is where I remind you that the PWOM's uh, soccer podcast is run by two Doctor Who fans. So. Hey, <laughs> I mean, uh, this podcast is run by an obsessive song of ice and fire nerd. So, so there you go. Uh, yeah. So you were right last week. I mean, I'm right most weeks, Jeff, but tell me what I was right about this week. Uh, Team Taz did cause uh, Dante to lose this match. Right. That's kind of where I was feeling it was going. And it done in the right fashion. Like Ricky Starks, such a little shithead about it. But you just know... such a about it it was great like he just got it then he did the oh what oh me oh hey oh come on i'm just a little guy it's my birthday oh i'm a little birthday boy hey oh ew was it his birthday no no he was just being a little birthday boy about it okay um but you know again i i just think that they they, could have moved mjf onto this if they really want to start building him to be the challenger to to unseat uh adam page yeah but uh, maybe he's not the next challenger to unseat Adam Page. Maybe that's just the thing is that he's no, not next. No, 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 no. To be the challenger that unseats Adam. I mean, we're, we we are definitely going to get at least six months of Adam Page as champion. Oh, what I'm saying is that MJF isn't the next challenger. So, like, we don't need to no, worry about No, I'm him. not either. I'm saying he's going to be the next champion is what I'm saying. He could be, but that, again, could be, like, why worry about taking this ring off of him now if we're talking about this thing happening months down the line? Him losing that ring as part of becoming a champion only matters if, like, it's timely. Like, uh, what I think of Seth Rollins losing the match uh, at WrestleMania the same day he cashed in his money in the bank, right? Like, him losing that match to Randy Orton only matters if he's cashing in later. Now, I'm not saying that this is as timely, but, like, these things only matter if they happen, like, in relation to each other. So, like, MJF losing that ring only matters to the title scene if the very next thing he does is chase after the championship. Also, did we ever establish what that ring actually means besides just something that for MJF to, to cheat with? Well, it was going to be, like, a ring, like, for people, other people to hold, but he keeps winning it. That's the deal. Like his Yeah, but they only do it once a year. Yeah, but they yeah, only do it once a year, too. And you're supposed to hold it for the year. That's the deal. You hold it for the year. It's an annual but presentation. What, what does it mean, actually? Is it, it just a trophy? Or just yeah, a it's trophy. a trophy. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's, a it's, a, it's a cool ring. What do you mean? It's cool jewelry. After the match, uh, FTR helps uh, beat down Dante Martin again, and then the lights go out. 
And then for like a while too. This was like a, an extended. Then there was a lot of moving parts to this one. And like, I, I once the lights come on, you see why because it's it takes a little longer, particularly for one of them guys to get there. Yeah. Uh, we when we get back in the ring, Steve Stinger and Darby Allen are both it's in the ring. Steve. It's Steve. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so good. You know, I. It's my friend Steve Borden. You know what? Ironically, you could yell "It's Steve" uh, on Blue's Clues too. You could, you know what? I would love <laughs> Tony Schiavone just to be on the other side of that door when he comes back he, or when he made his little video, uh, that little video where he made every like all the millennials cry. Right. Oh, oh, uh, you mean Steve Burns? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Steve, Steve from blues clues. He like came back and he was like, Hey everybody. Remember me? Uh, yeah. I would like Tony Schiavone. Just, it's Steve from blues clues. Yeah. I'm telling you. Did you ever hear, hear? Did you ever hear that first album he did, Steve Burns? Yeah, it was like in two thousand three, and he it was oh. after he left the show, and it, most of the backing music was done by members of the Flaming Lips. It was actually kind of an okay album. It's like incredible what a cool guy he is. You love to hear that. He's it like really is. God, I still remember when the rumors are going around that he had died of a heroin overdose and he actually had to go on like, I that think it was, was like early internet. Yeah. Yeah. He had to go on like Rosie O'Donnell to show his arms off. And it was like, yeah, no kids. I'm not dead. You know, that's so uh, funny. Yeah, I do. Boy. Like I was just on the very tip of like the older side for blues clues. So like as blues clues, was a thing. I was just like a, I was very aware of it obviously, but I wasn't, I was just like a little bit too old for it, but um, still very culturally relevant. Well, my, my daughter was, I was going to say huge. your kids were probably like, Oh right yeah. There. Yeah. They were, they were right there. Yeah. That was, that was exactly the, Oh yeah. That was my daughter's favorite fucking thing. Uh, when she was, yeah. when she was growing up. Um, I still remember seeing Steve Burns before blues clues. He, now we're getting into the deep cuts oh yeah he was on an episode of law and order where he was playing like a he, he was playing like a uh an autistic kid at a school that was getting tortured basically holy shit with with, with, with the buzz box no fucking way with the, with the buzz helmet oh god holy yeah shit. yep look it up that's incredible yeah, that that was him. Oh, like I, dude, and I can't believe you did this. And this is why you're a genius, really. Like you were able to, like, with all the shit you brought up in this podcast, like actually stop me from making too many Song of Ice and Fire references. <laughs> like you really did stop me short, like throughout this podcast. And I gotta say, like, hats off to you. You did great. Go, go ahead. Hurt, yeah, you, you, you pretty incredible. You, you get a free one. Go ahead. I mean, now I'm on the spot, man. I didn't really know I had a bunch of their stuff from earlier. Now it doesn't really matter anymore. Well, you know, uh, I mean, you you were hot like Daenerys Targan. Uh, Wait, did I pronounce that right? Uh, Uh, No. no. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I was all excited, but now I just kind of feel like um, like all my stories going by the wayside, kind of like Dorn in season five or uh, or, you know, the whole of season eight. Um, there was okay. I'll, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it, and since I'm I, you know I didn't get a chance to talk about Cody on this, so I don't get to get to like be contrarian or have any hot takes on this one. Uh, I think episodes two of season eight was like really 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 good, and I also thought the Miguel Sapochnik directed episode that everyone hated wasn't that bad technically either. Wasn't there some like, weird time travel thing in in this show too? Um, someone with Hodor, really, kind of, but like a. Uh, uh, 
Sort of. It's like sort of a time travel, <laughs> sort of like a like consciousness and time is a flat circle type of deal. And like, uh, you know, everything is interconnected, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. like, that's like the fabric of that show. Like and like that story, like it. it I could really get in the weeds with this, but like, no, that, that the whole thing, I don't think it was well executed, but I don't think the concept is like out of bounds for that universe. Like using like what we know about, like people communicating through the weirwood trees and like the children of the forest and like the powers that they had, like, and by uh, the way, know, there's the undead and fucking dragons prior to Aegon's <laughs> conquest and the first, the first Targaryens making their landing, uh, you know, in, in the time before the seven kingdoms, uh, you know, there, there's a lot to say. Like, there's a lot of old magic is what yeah. I'm saying. But by, by the way, there's also the undead and fucking dragons in this show. So, yeah, maybe time travel isn't really too out of bounds. Here. And zombies like they started with zombies, like right from the beginning. There's zombies in the fucking prologue from the first book. So, like, you already know we're getting into some shit. Uh, CM Punk does make uh, the save for for the baby faces. And uh, now we're going to get a match at uh, the Holiday Bash. Uh, CM Punk, Steve Stinger, and Darby Allen versus MJF and FTR. So, huzzah. Merry uh, Merry Christmas from AEW. And also, huge shout-out to CM Punk uh, for wearing a really, really cool T-shirt in Texas. Yeah. Uh, What was that T-shirt? It had a, like, one of those, like, uh, you know, like, school vagina diagrams. Right. You know, with, like, the tubes and all the stuff, like, Uh the very scientific. And it said... um, get one get your own then you can choose what to do with it or something like that yeah okay yeah I, i'm glad yeah because I I, I I i saw it, but i forgot to write it down it was yeah, like, the exact uh verbiage i want to get i'm paraphrasing here obviously that's some top tier shit though but top yeah shout out. it says get your own then tell it what to do uh it is for sale and i am going to retweet the link for it because it appears that this one does go. I also retweeted a link from um, friend of the show, Rachel Millman uh, for hey, Rachel. the national network of abortion funds. Uh, so please donate to the national network of abortion funds. If you like to see punk shirt or you think what they're doing in Texas and other places around the country is absolute bullshit. All right. Cause it is, because it is fucking bullshit. It is. Yeah, we make no bones about it on this show. We, we where we stand on such things. So, oh, here's my official stance: abortions fucking rock. Go abort those babies, folks. Abort those kids. Let's Jesus do it. Jesus Christ! Abort those babies. Let's go. And with that, we end AEW Dynamite from Garland, Texas. So, uh, yeah, we we kind of got in the weeds on this show, didn't we? A little bit. That's exactly what I planned on. Good. That's Paul, what that's what this was for. Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. You can follow me on Twitter at Cool Step Uncle. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at BGTD Podcast. You can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thickflare, all C's, no K's. And of course, every Friday night, you can find me at twitch.tv slash wrestling brain. Uh, you can also follow Wrestling Brain on Twitter at wrestling underscore brain. It's Wrestling Brain Rampage every Friday night. Me and Nick East talk about Rampage. We uh, talk to you in chat. We do all kinds of stuff. And I can't announce it officially yet, but I have some more stuff in the pipes at Wrestling Brain. Uh, so stay tuned for more announcements on that. So when you say more stuff in the pipes, you mean some some good kush? 
Yes. Uh, no, actually, it's mids. I got mids. I got Delta 8 in the pipe. <laughs> I got nothing but Delta 8 in the pipe. So stay tuned for whatever that does to my brain. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. Not for very much longer, of course. Uh, if you recall, uh, I am going to be uh, changing that to to my personal Twitter at GD Wessel. So uh, follow both and just stay, stay tuned for the changes. So... Uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, Paul, any last words for this week? Seriously, abortions fucking rule. And uh, if you think that people shouldn't have them and you're a man, shut the fuck up. We'll see you next week.